Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Amazingly, I have returned to Brighton. The, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, geez. I saw the, by the way, the very end of this flu that I had in Atlanta. I'm still coughing up phlegm, so I'll be doing that throughout this podcast today. A brief one. You're going to get, I think, two podcasts this week, by the way. Uh, I'm taping this on Wednesday at 1130. Uh, Tomorrow I'm going to interview, I think, uh, being Thursday. I don't know which order you'll get it, but the uh, Tom Stackpole, who wrote the Boston Magazine column about me, uh, which I'm not thrilled with, amazingly. So, But I don't want to get into that now because that's sort of, it's worth doing uh, with him. So I'll do that. So first of all, hello. How are you? Good to see everyone again. It's been a little bit of a while since I've done one of these. Uh, I think the last one I did was with Seppenwall. I haven't done one of these in a while. So I figured I'd give you a little little show update. Uh, I want to talk about craft a little bit um, and then sort of get out of here and then, and then get into the stuff tomorrow, which should be interesting. Um, should I sing? I, I, I have Shallow in my... Shallow is like in my head since the Oscars the other night. I'm so fucking sick of Shallow, which I hate. I think Bradley Cooper's a terrible singer. I'm a better singer than is Bradley Cooper. Of that, there's no doubt. Are you challenging me? Is that a challenge, uh, dear listener? Fine. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. I mean, see? I mean, this is not even, it's not even a, a, a debate. Maybe the debate. Anyway, so I tweeted out or put in my Twitter bio um, maybe a month ago, 3419. And of course, you know, the people who pay attention, the psychopaths, all assumed I meant the show was going to start March 4th. What I meant was the show was going to start March 4th. We are now uh, five days out from uh, March 4th. So I'm going to guess, given that we don't have a studio nor a producer at this point, that March 4th probably isn't going to happen. Um, and, and I admit, I have a couple of triggers on Twitter. And one of them is when I see people saying the show's not going to happen. It's a ruse. They're doing this to fuck you over. And maybe it's a big master plot. And they're laughing in Philadelphia and New York. Is they're saying we're going to dangle this guy's fucking head in the water for five years. Maybe. I'm getting paid, so maybe I shouldn't care. Uh, but I've been assured many times over it is not that. Uh, the best way I can describe this pause we're in, I would say right now, is it seems, and I don't want to, you know, get you bogged down in super specific stuff, but when this show came out, <coughs> out of nowhere in November, <coughs> there we go, in the middle of November, um, there were just budgets at, this, at a radio station like there is anywhere else, and uh, or a radio company. And the Kirk Minahan show and my salary, which is not insignificant, and the producer and studio space, which I'll get to in a second, all adds up. And it's probably in the total, you know, 
I mean, it's in the seven figures for the show every year, all of a sudden. This is a new thing. So I think the debate is, and I'm saying this with minimal knowledge, is it a radio uh, uh, is it a radio budget? Is it the digital budget, which is all different? And I think they're, I think, I think they're sorting that shit out as we speak right now. So right now, and the other thing is, I'm having a weird time as I'm used to at EEI. A little bit of slight bo after my run earlier. Uh, I'm used to after EEI it being top priority all the time, uh, top dog as they say in prison. Um, and by the way, if I was in prison, I would run a prison I'm, with my mental acuity and cunningness. I would run a prison within three months, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say within three months. And I'd do whatever I had to get to the top. And that's, you know what I'm talking about. Whole fucking thing. Um, but I don't, uh, uh, you know, I, I, so I was, I'm used to having my ass kissed at the EI. No matter what, if I drop something, somebody would pick it up. Here, I mean, the reality is, is I am not top priority. They care more about press releases for Jason Locke and Fora and Russ Tucker having radio shows. No, I mean, let's be honest, no one's going to listen to uh, compared to me, which people are starving for. But that's okay. I mean, I've, I've been dealing with this since I started radio, being sort of, you know, programmers who don't know their, you know, fucking ass from their fucking elbow. I was trying to think of something wittier than that. Have, have, have been doing this to me for 10 years now. So... Whether it's Jason Wolf or Joe Zarbano or Kevin Graham or, you know, the people now radio.com, who've all been very nice to me, by the way. And the person I deal with there, uh, Jeff Sotolano, has been honest and upfront with me. And I appreciate that. Um, and I like him. I mean, I'll hate him eventually, but right now I like him. But right now we're in this weird pause as they try and figure shit out. What that means when the show starts, I don't know. But I know we have advertisers. I know we have logos. I know we're very close to hiring a producer. And I know they're nego- they're talking right now about which dollar goes where. So I got no hard date for you. I picked March 4th. I, I don't know if I described this before or not on this. I, I We were in a point in January-ish, I think. Carlson Mosdes, who's sort of my operations guy here, uh, who's been a huge help to me, and I've known him since I started at the website 10 years ago. Uh, I brought him with me. I recruited them. I wanted to have them with me as my guy here because I need somebody to, to to work with. And we were really sort of in a slump and weren't getting a lot of, I don't want to say cooperation, but participation from the the higher up, the um, corporate side of it. And I just said to him, like, and I think I did say this somewhere else, like the man on the moon itself, when Kennedy said at the end of the decade, this, we're going to put the man on the moon. I said, we're going to be on the air March 4th. That way you work backward. It, it, it was a soft uh, soft date, but I thought, you know, you get some date, um, and we're not going to hit it, and that's disappointing. That's really disappointing. It gives ammunition to the assholes. Say, oh, you're not going to... Fine. You know, okay. And maybe you're right. Fuck do I know. But I right now, I believe these people until they fuck me over. Um, so I think it'll be, you know, sometime in the next month or so, but maybe not. I, I, you know, I don't know. I do know I am dying, dying to be on the air. I can't wait. I'm I'm starving for it right now, um, so we'll see. That's where we're at. Um, with that, uh, I you know and oh and and, and that it will lead to this other thing of dying to be on the air. I would have loved to have talked about the craft stuff. Um, it's hard for me as a somewhat neutral observer now because I don't have a lot of love for EEI, nor do I have you know a tremendous amount of love for 98.5 or anything. 
But it's funny to see the EI people taking victory laps because 985 can't talk about something. I mean, let's let's be realistic about this. You know, I'm sitting in this studio doing this podcast uh, largely because a professional sports team didn't want me to talk about stuff. So let's not let's not wag our dicks around too much here, guys. All right. Um, the craft stuff to me is interesting as it always is to me, basic, basically from a media perspective. I don't, and I've talked in the past, and I tweeted out a while ago about how Kraft, in, in, in August, when, when I talked about my situation, how Kraft reached out to me and left me this really nice message that he didn't have to do, and, and it was very nice of him. And, you know, again, he didn't save my life or anything, but, I mean, it was a really nice gesture that wasn't necessary, and there are gestures like that from Kraft that are legion. I mean, they just are. He's an extremely generous, charitable guy. Now, that being said, you know, he did something really, for a guy who's a billionaire, it's a, a, everyone's take, but, you know, Guy's a billionaire to be going to massage parlors. It's, it's you know, it's a really bizarre move. Um, now, do I think intellectually Robert Kraft walked into that massage parlor and thought those women were slaves? No, I don't. I think he thought it was a girl there and he paid her money and he left. Um, should he have been more thoughtful about it? Yes, of course. Is sex trafficking awful? Um, hmm. I'm going to go with yes on that one. Uh, but what's amazing to me is the overreaction from everyone on this in the way that everyone tries to top themselves to seem more or less outraged by it. Tara Sullivan, the Globe, who was a terrible fucking columnist, I mean, just a horrendous writer, wrote the worst column maybe of all time on Saturday, talking about how we should feel sad about this. And, you know, we thought that Robert Kraft was this kind of man and he's that kind of man. If you think that a guy who owns a football team is, like, different than somebody else. Get your fucking priorities straight. He's a human being. He's a guy with a penis, and he got jerked off, okay? Guys get jerked off. I don't care if you're—don't we know this by now? If you're the president of the United States, if you're a billionaire, or you're a friggin' dock worker or whatever, making, you know, $11 an hour, he's no different. When you start treating them differently like that— Calling them Mister, you know we, you know this takes away from you know it's just it's it's fucking ch- your child when you start thinking like that. And the, the other one is oh, this takes away from the legacy. Another black mark on the Patriots. And I think I tweeted out this week, like no Patriots fan when they look at the Seattle win or the Atlanta win or this year or the first Rams win uh, or the comeback against the Ravens or pick your moment, the loss to the Giants, anything in this whole run uh, is going to be thinking you know what. Robert Kraft laid down somewhere, and the woman touched the body part until something came out of that body part. I'm not going to appreciate this Malcolm Butler interception anymore. It's just bullshit. That's the thing is the media bullshit fucking just makes you want to vomit. It's, you know, and, 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 like, suddenly, you know, I would say to these people as well, sex trafficking is awful. Obviously. I'm with you. Want to get rid of it? Great. Uh, how about that iPhone that you're, that you're tweeting from? How about the, you checking, are you checking everything? You check in every stitch of clothing you wear. Do you know where your peanut butter's made? Do you know where your, you know, the the fucking vacuum you got is? Do you know, how about that Nike shirt? How about that Dunkin' Donuts coffee? Are we, are we sure we know who, who did that? Are we sure who made the, who made the cup? You know, the, the candy cane you had at Christmas. The fucking Christmas tree. The remote on your television. Know everything. Because I guarantee you, one of these things was probably made by a fucking six-year-old who worked, you know... 161 hours that week or whatever the fuck. So you better you better check everything before you weigh in. And if I remember, and if you know this, a lot of the members of the media aren't waving it around because I think, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of these writers over the years have taken a right into the massage parlor, opened the door, gone in, and got their fucking their crank fucking yanked uh, for 15 minutes and left. 
So, I mean, that part of it, sort of the moral judgment, you want, you know, you want to do a deep dive into sex trafficking, you want to get rid of these people, you want to put them in jail, great. I am with you 1,000%. But fucking pick your spots. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's difficult when these people in the globe, of course, has led the charge. I read one headline, I think it was Nestor Ramos, another fucking horrendous writer. I think it said, like, craft sex trafficking. I mean, like, the idea that, you know, the people have raised this even. The idea that Robert Kraft, who owns the Patriots and is a billionaire, and listen, if I'm wrong, I'll fucking own it. He's running, is, like, you know, is people have suggested maybe part of this, like, oh, we got to wait till the whole story comes out. Like, an NFL owner is part of the side sex trafficking ring. Like, he wants to make a few extra dollars. I mean, come on. Come on. I think he fucked up. I think he's going to own it. I think he'll get suspended for, whatever, six games, and it's not a big deal. It's a misdemeanor. Never have I seen such debate on a fucking misdemeanor crime, by the way. So I just wanted to say that. That story, to me, is baffling. Absolutely baffling. The other Twitter moment I saw last week, and I, and this is why I stayed out of it, is... You know, Nick Cafardo, I probably met. I'd seen him at spring training every year. I probably ran into him a few times at Fenway when I used to way, way back at WEI.com when I would do, when I'd fill in for um, Rob or, or, or somebody. And he was always, and I, I saw the tweets, and it's, for me, he was always very, very, very nice to me when I was on the radio and I was somewhat critical of him because he had an odd. Um, defense of Bobby Valentine throughout the year. And I think I was critical of that on the air. And one year down at spring training, I think it was, he kind of came up to me and asked me about it. And like not, but like, not like in an asshole defensive way, just almost like in a kind of a joking way. And we talked about it for a few minutes and that was it. Like I never, and I had no relationship with the guy. This is my larger point. Um, but I saw, I, you see on Twitter and look, the guys who wrote were on the beat with him, you know, Dan, the guys are the globe. It's awful. I mean, he was a, seemed like every, I've, and one of these guys when they die, everyone says this, but it's true. I've never heard a, a bad word about him from any from anybody. He seemed like a very nice guy. But these people who didn't really know him, who were falling all over themselves to, you know, tell you about how they were friends with him. You're just like, what is going on with you that you need to do that? Tangway, you know, I love I can't help it. I still love him. Tangway, somebody tweeted Tangway. Tangway, I bet you hasn't seen Nick Cafardo in 15 years. Or we've seen him three times in 15 years. Somebody tweeted at Gary, I'm so sorry for your loss. And Gary said, thank you. It's hard for... Like, like why Why is Gary doing that? How is that? He doesn't know him. Like, I mean, that, that, that seems so inappropriate to me. Um, but, you know, the guys, like I said, like the Shaughnessy's and the McAdams and the Robs and the Tomasi, uh, who had, wrote a good column on it. Um, <clears throat> and Jerry, who's known them forever. They, like, I, I think it's a, I, I think Twitter is good in those moments because you, you like to find out about a person. And, 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 and you know, the Gordon Eads and all the people who are on the beat with him forever, that he was a, a really super, you know, super nice guy. Um, and it sucks. I mean, it's such a shitty. I think about his son, Ben. It's such a shit. And I know he had a daughter and grandkids. What a shitty, awful thing, you know. Obviously, my parents died, but, you know, we were ready for it. They had been sick for a long time. We'd readied ourselves. You're never really there, but, you know. And now you have this, you get a phone call and your, and your poor dad who's there working just, just falls down and dies and your life is over. And he's 62 and he's probably going to retire in two or three years and enjoy those grandkids. And just like that, your fucking life ends. It's awful. But um, that was the other mini Twitter note sort of that was, that was bothering me. Uh, the other thing is this, this Martina Navratilova story, which I didn't really get a chance to get to because I'm not in the air, uh, is... Another one that's this sort of world is ending thing for me. It, it, it's it's incredible that we are now in a in, in a world where you know Martina Navratilova, 
uh, spent months looking at this, researching it, and came to the conclusion after meeting with scientists that if you're born a man and transition to a woman, that you are going to be physically stronger than somebody who's born a woman. And for expressing those views, this woman who, uh, I don't like comparing people to Jackie Robinson because she, she just, she's not, I mean, it's just, it's a whole different thing. I mean, it just is. But was there's a lot of guts in the 80s coming out of the closet and being a proud, outspoken lesbian. Um, I think sort of the, the pioneer of that world, her and Billie Jean King, I suppose, is now facing heat for this and losing sponsorships from lesbian groups and gay groups over this is so fucking crazy, your head wants to spin. Here's the bottom line, okay? It is a competitive advantage. If you're born a man, on average, some are stronger. Ronda Rousey is stronger than, you know, me, okay? But on average, the average man is stronger, born male, is stronger than the average woman. Take a look at the, whatever, the 10,000 biggest weight weights ever lifted or the 10,000 fastest times ever run in the 100. It's all men. Okay, it just is. And it's here's what I would say to somebody who is trying to transition. I have sympathy for you. Uh, It takes a lot of guts to do it. You don't get everything. You don't get to compete against girls and women in high school and college. It's an unfair advantage. You get every other right. I'm with you. You get everything else. And by the way, you get the right. You get the right to compete in sports against other people who are born male. That's it. That's that's what you have to do. That's the deal. You can use the bathrooms. You can get married. Great. A thousand percent. Doesn't matter to me. But there are girls who are going to lose college scholarships and places because uh, these other girls, born male, are allowed to compete. And when does it end? I mean, did, is, it a, is it a physical event where somebody breaks somebody's jaw or leg? A bo- uh, somebody born male does this? Somebody born female? You know, there are, you know, you see the Connecticut uh, races now. Uh, I think it was first and second. They both set state records are are girls who were born male. And, you know, other parents are outraged. And if I were a parent and my daughter, Kate, let's say Kate was in high school and lost a swim race. She's a big swimmer. To somebody born male, I would say, let's be fair about this. I feel terrible for this person, what they've had to go through in their lives. I'm happy that they have the guts to do this. But this is bullshit. This is not, this is not right. You know, compete against the other people born male. You're female, but this is the deal. We now live in a world where if you say that, you're accused of hate speech. It's not hate speech. It's science. We are now dealing with pure science. Anything else is ridiculous. I mean, let's, let's, can we at least have a moment and let reason have its place? But not right now. Not in this world. And Martina Navratilova, who you know, is, should be you know, looked at as a lay, gay and lesbian icon on the Mount Rushmore of this stuff, um, is now viewed in some worlds as homophobic and transphobic. You know, I don't know. I mean, if, if there were female boxing, which is a thing, if a male wanted to do that, would would everyone be okay with that? They break somebody's jaw? Weightlifting? What's the what's the wrestling? What's the when do we say no? At what point do we say that society we're moving at such a speed that we need to hit the pause button? And we're in a world now, so I got in the, this Twitter battle with this Brianna Wu, who's uh, running for Congress. Um, I invited her to come on the podcast because she said I was transphobic or something, and I messaged with her back and forth. I said, give me examples. Of course, she didn't have one. Um, I think we're in a world now where the extreme left wants to bury and condemn people just in the middle, not the extreme right, in the middle. And, you know, like, like the bathroom debate. 
Okay. You know, me, I'm, I think it should be legal. Uh, of course. I, I, not of course, but I think that, you know, transgender people should be allowed to use the bathrooms. That being said, um, if I'm with Kate at the movies and she goes to the bathroom standing outside and a transgendered man, rather born male, transgender female, a big muscular female who's formerly a man goes in the bathroom who's 35 years old. Does it give me some pause? Do I think for a minute? Yeah, I do. Do I jump in the bathroom? And No, but that's human instinct nature. And then you just wait. But to, to say, no, no, no big deal at all. And to admit that is almost scary now. And the left wants to immediately condemn you as a bigot instead of saying, okay, that's interesting. Let's have a conversation about this. That part of it, the let's interesting, let's have a conversation about this part of the world is gone now. Just gone. It is, you're a bigot. And by doing that, they're going to make the people who have these doubts angrier. And it's not going to help anything. The conversation is gone now. It's, it's fucking completely wiped out. You're a bigot. You're a transphobe. You're a racist. And, you know, I mean, the, the stuff la- two years ago with Adam Jones, I just wanted proof. And they said, well, one of them, no, who would ever do that? Who would ever make an accusation like that? Well, I've been looking at the news lately, and I feel like it may happen at some point. But the idea of proof and question and conversation is not just dead. It's eliminated, erased, wiped out. You're a bigot. You're an asshole. Feel like it. Don't have a conversation with me. Don't have a debate. And that is really a scary fucking thing. So there you go. I wanted to jump in and give you some updates, talk about that stuff. I'm going to do another podcast this week. You're going to get two. I think the one I'm going to tape later this week with Tom Stackpole from Boston Magazine will be a little combative. will be a little bit longer. But like I said, I just wanted to weigh in, say hello, let you know I'm alive. The show is going to happen. I have no fucking idea when. Uh, and that's it. I'll talk to you later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.